Yeah, welcome back to ThinkTech. Uh, welcome to Global Connections here at the five o'clock block um, with Carl Baker. We're gonna to talk today about um, the global implications of the war in Ukraine, the sea changes, what's happening under the surface. Uh, what are the sea changes of Putin's invasion? What has he set in motion? Hi, Carl, thank you for joining us on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me, Jay. It's uh, This is the third one on Ukraine. In the first two, I was uh, obviously wrong with a lot of other experts who thought we knew what, what the parameters for uh, conflict in Europe were, and we were wrong. And, and, dead wrong in, in, this, in the eyes of, of the Ukrainians, because I certainly never anticipated that uh, we would be talking today about uh, an invasion in, into a sovereign country and the world standing by offering thoughts and prayers. You know, while I was watching the uh, State of the Union a little while ago, I noticed that everybody was wearing Ukraine pins. So as I was watching, I went on my, uh, my, my smartphone and I looked at Amazon to see if I could get a Ukraine pin because I you know, want to express solidarity with them. And uh, there were lots of Ukraine pins that you can buy on, on Amazon. Um, and uh, I bought one um, and it's, they're going to send it to me. And um, it's going to take two weeks. It's going to take until about the 15th of, of uh, March. And I said to myself, you'll appreciate this. Um, will it still be relevant <laughs> in two weeks? What kind of extraordinary things will happen in two weeks? What, what new revelations will, will emerge in the next two weeks? Who knows? Yeah. So we could be wrong again, Carl, I promise you. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, and and I think that's a that's a very important point to start with. Is that you know once I mean, Clausewitz is uh, very very accurate when he says once you unleash war, you can no longer prediction prediction is a fool's game, because you you can't you can't predict what happens with a war. Once you start killing people. It, the whole dynamic changes because missteps become bigger missteps and and there's there's just no way to predict what those missteps lead to yeah, an echo chamber of missteps uh the guns of august uh, by uh, barbara tuckman um a chain reaction who knows where it goes yeah well yeah i mean and and the that's another thing i was thinking about is you know we're we're trying to guess what what happened you know that, that what went wrong and you know that's left we're going to leave that for the historians and you know the, the guns of august is sort of a sort of a, almost a stylized version of what happened you know in today's world with such a cacophony of voices of different perspectives on on what really happened it'll be it, it'll it's be difficult i think to determine what the what the truth is because that's part of the problem here is you have you have competing truths of what's going on. I mean, if you read what the Russians are saying today, they're still trying to talk about uh, they were provoked into this. You know, that's that's a, a, one of the lines. The other line is that we're not killing civilians. You know, and and you know, how does that truth get sorted out in today's world, where there where there are always these competing narratives that that try to dominate? You know. In, in Guns of August, we had a single answer from history. I don't know that this history is going to be the same. Yeah, well, one thing is, uh, that's remarkably different about this, where we are now, 
is that we can see into the jar. We can see the social media. We can see the, you know, the TV feed coming out of uh, uh, Ukraine. Mm -hmm. um, and although he, uh, he destroyed the television towers, the transmission tower in, in Ukraine today, uh, there'll be a lot more information comes out demonstrating who knows what, war crimes, atrocities, um, killing civilians uh, without provocation. Um, and so the world can see, and that means the world can, you know, digest, process, and react to that. And in the, uh, in the speech that uh, Joe Biden gave, you could see that, that everyone in Congress was reacting to what was going on. It's, it's a global emotional reaction is what it is. So let me ask you, uh, you know, what sea changes has this invasion set in motion? And we don't have to know for sure what the end game is, but what changes has he set in motion? Well, I mean, the, the biggest, clearest sea change that he set in motion is the West, <clears throat> defined as, as basically Europe and the United States and uh, obviously Japan, Australia, and, and some, some parts of South America have unified themselves to the point that they haven't been for a long time. And, and that has led to, to a sea change in a commitment to defense on the part of Germany. It's led to a sea change in commitment to economic sanctions against Russia, and it has led to a, a unified approach to condemning what he's doing in Ukraine. Now, that's a, that's a sea change, but how big is the sea? How long does it last? You know, it's a tidal wave, but what happens after this big tidal wave is finished? As you said at the beginning, you know, it was two weeks. Now, how long does two weeks, what, is, what happens in two weeks? How, how sustainable is the condemnation? How sustainable are the sanctions that are being imposed? That becomes the, the real challenge, I think, is, is who has the sustainability here? Can, can Russia sustain its, its loss from the sanctions? Can the, can the West, specifically Europe, sustain its commitment to those sanctions? Yes, yes, absolutely. That's, that's such an interesting question. You know, you know, because history moves on. The fickle finger of fate moves on. The news cycle is what, 24, 48 hours. Yeah. And over a two week period, there's multiple news cycles and people forget what happened. And who knows what other things will pop up, could be from anywhere in the world on any issue about anything. Could come from China, for example, and you know, everybody over to that side of the boat. Um, so we, we live we live in a you know media driven um, high speed world. The other the other you know the other thing I wanted to ask you about is some of these changes are likely to be long, more long range. Some of them are likely to create um, you know set in motion things that won't that won't stop. They won't go away. Maybe it'll be you know slow. Maybe it'll be overtaken by other things, but. It's new. And for example, the notion of the people of Russia ousting Putin, mm -hmm. that has come up. Um, there are those who talk about it. There are people with great courage standing in the streets of St. Petersburg and I suppose Moscow questioning whether he should be in charge of this. Um, is yeah. that a change we will see on into the future or is that just a, a moment of uh, emotional reaction? 
I, it's a question that I just don't even have an answer for because we we don't know. It, like you say, so much depends on 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 how this how this whole thing unfolds. Uh, you know, I mean, what is what is Putin's next move? Is it in in terms of of uh, the war? Because the the war has going to take on its own dynamic at some point. You know, does he does he continue to do what the Russians have done in the past? Is isolate the cities and then try to try to put them under siege? That's what it looks like he's doing. You know, and and does does that bleed over into an attack on the other countries in the region and NATO then is forced to get involved? That changes that each each one of those scenarios changes the dynamic dramatically. And so uh, and, and, and it's going to change how long one side or the other can sustain itself. And I think that that is becomes a big question. But like you say, I mean, China is, is becoming a very important player here because they're not condemning the action. They're not they're not exactly condoning it. You know, they 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 come with their their sort of. Uh, uh, anodyne line of both sides should take steps to uh, resolve the issue through negotiations. But in the meantime, you know, China has not stepped up uh, and, and condemned the action as, a, as an attack on, on sovereign territory. It's not taken any action to, uh, to, to join in the sanctions, saying that it's the Americans' fault for how we got here. You know? And so, you know, so they're becoming a very important player because they become the outlet of last resort for the Russian economy. I mean, if if we're gonna if we're gonna stop agriculture and and oil oil and and other industrial products out of Russia, then they're gonna go somewhere and they're gonna go to China, and and so China then becomes the facilitator for the the prosecution of the war from the Russian side. Yeah, and there's kind of a tipping point happening. I mean, if you look at it from the point of view of ideology, I mean, if um, as as Joe Biden expressed in his remarks to, to Congress, um, if, um, if if the, if the if the U.S. the U.S. position democracy wins, uh, that will discourage other invasions of of neighbors of sovereigns next door. If um, the U.S. position loses, which remains a real possibility. If Ukraine loses, that will encourage um, the old, you know, non-liberal order of nations taking what they want, uh, going back to the Romans taking Gaul. I want to take Gaul today, so I'm going to march up there and take Gaul. Um, and and that could happen again if 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 uh, Putin is successful, it will encourage other countries. All right? Well, I, yeah, I think it will. I mean, that I, I think that that that's that's a, a distinct possibility. But the the point I want to make is that Putin really is is the controlling factor here, in the sense that that his his next steps are going to determine the direction, obviously, because he has the initiative, and and if he if he chooses to contain it in Ukraine. There's one. There's one series of outcomes that seem likely. If he decides that this isn't enough, that he has to he has to attack those that are supporting Ukraine, that takes us into a whole different series of, of suppositions about how how this ends. You know, because ultimately this has to become a question of of how it ends. And I think that's part of the reason why so many of us got it wrong in the first place is because there's no rational ending 
for what Russia is doing right now. There's no, there's no sensible way to think that you can decapitate the leadership in Ukraine and set up a puppet government without occupying the territory. Yet that's what Putin is now saying he's going to do. He's saying he's going to, he's going to isolate the cities, decapitate, in other words, kill or remove uh, Zelensky, and then somehow set up a government that's supportive of, of the Russians. But that, that, that's not a logical ending to this thing because clearly the Ukrainians have, have made their statement that they are going to defend the territory. And, and so the, the, the real challenge here is to figure out how, how this ends without an escalation, because there's, there's nothing really that, that Russia can do at this point to, to have a successful outcome the way I see it. You know, it's hard for Putin to back down on his loss of face a huge loss of face and maybe you know the loss of his power and uh, maybe his maybe the ouster i was mentioning um and what you know what's troubling is that there are some very strange comparisons um for example and this is not necessarily in order of importance uh, it's that it's that um uh, song i was i was going to sing for you maybe i'll spare you from that um it's out of the mikado by gilbert and sullivan and it's a, it's a little thing done recitative by Coco, character, who says um, he's got a little list. I've got a little list. And uh, any official gets in my way, I'm going to do terrible things to him. Uh, I don't have the lyrics in front of me, but uh, there's, there's a recollection there. And of course, in all humor, in all comedic humor, there's truth and threat. And he announced he had a little list. And if he gets into that position of power, he will go after people, not unlike what happened in the 30s. And he will ask neighbors to tell on neighbors and family to tell on family. And, and he will, you know, destroy his adversaries the way he has done in Russia. Well, but yes, but you still have this this core of resistance in Ukraine that's that's not going to go away. You know, I mean, and if you and if Russia has learned anything from America's efforts to conquer countries and change their political system, they should have learned that that doesn't work. <laughs> you know, and, and they, they, they should have learned they did learn that lesson in Afghanistan in the 70s and uh, and the 80s. And, you know, you would think that they would have uh, remembered that lesson and, and they would have seen what happened in, in Iraq and Afghanistan for the Americans. So, yeah, you, you can have a list and you can you can kill a lot of people and you still have a resistance. You still have a resistance that that's that's now born in blood. And it's even more difficult to get past it. And so, you know, I, I mean, when, when you see pictures of people in, in Kiev making Molotov cocktails in anticipation of this of this onslaught, you know, that 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 suggests to me that you have a population that's not going to quit just because uh, somebody comes in and, and kills a bunch of people in the city. Yeah, you got to give them credit for their their courage. Um... And it is, uh, it, you know, it goes back to the Warsaw Ghetto in 1944, 45, and all that, you know, raw courage, courage that's so admirable, and it's already, you know, being demonstrated. Also, I wanted to ask you about the sea change that is reflected 
in the in the in the population shift, I, I, maybe that's an overstatement, but um, six hundred thousand people have have left Ukraine, which is not all that many when you consider it's forty four million people live in the country, yeah. um, and it's a really big piece of territory. But they've left. And they managed to get out. Um, they they were afraid. Um, they wanted to settle somewhere else. Some of them will want to go back. Others will stay. What you have is a migrant wave, uh, a la what was going on, maybe what still is going on from North Africa and the Middle East. And so the query, you know, there's got to be a sea change here. And of course, the countries that receive these migrants, um, Poland, Germany, and a bunch of others, um, they, may, they may be acting out of noble cause right now, but it does have an effect on, on government. Uh, and where the needle points left and right, and you know, well, we've seen what happened in in Germany, where um, you know uh, uh, you know uh, um, right wing groups have emerged, and basically uh, because they don't like the migrants, and so query um, what changes are happening, and those are those temporary changes, or are they going to have a permanent effect? Well, again, you know, I mean, so much of it depends on on where where the violence ends. And how it ends, I think. So to, to answer the question, obviously, if if Russia is successful and they do eliminate the existing government and they somehow manage to put in a puppet regime, then I would think that there's going to be probably more people who are willing to just not go back home, and and then that does create a new problem for the for the recipient countries. But I also think that that there's people who uh, are are will want to go back to to Ukraine, especially if if uh, Ukraine is successful in 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 at least stymieing uh, Russia's efforts to to eliminate the country. So I, I, you know it's it's hard to say how how the how important that 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 six hundred thousand uh, immigrants really are at this point, you know. But I think I, I think it's. Yeah, I mean, so much of it depends on, on where we go in the next in the next two weeks, in the next month, in terms of who can sustain the 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 political will to pursue their objectives at this point. And, and you know, I mean, Russia, Russia has uh, has got to be looking at what Putin has gotten them into, because at this point, their, their two options are to restart relying on China and ultimately become a vassal state of China because China has the money, it has the, it has the outlet for its goods and, and it can control, it can now control Russia's destiny. And that ought to scare a lot of Russians. And, and so I think, you know, this, this sort of uh, alliance of convenience between Russia and China that Putin managed to pull off you know, at, at the uh, at the uh, summit in conjunction with the Olympics looks good now. But I think that that if if and it's a big if, I think that that if Europe can actually sustain this this sanctions regime and, and stay committed to it, it's going to force Russia, the rest of Russia, not necessarily Putin, but the rest of Russia to look very hard at the value Putin offers to the Russian people. Yeah, that, that actually goes to another point we ought to talk about, and that is Russia did not have a, a very robust economy before Putin began this adventure. And now <clears throat> the sanctions are having, at least according to uh, Joe Biden and others in the, in the Western coalition, 
um, they have, with these sanctions, they have done enormous damage um, to the Russian economy all within a few days. And so query that, you know, that does change the, the world economic order. Uh, it's another sea change. Um, as you say, it sort of depends on what Putin does. And it, it also depends on what China does. Um, but, but haven't we crossed the Rubicon? Hasn't Russia crossed the Rubicon? It will not be a great economic power again. Well, I, I, I don't know that. So I, I wouldn't be quite as confident as you and Joe Biden are about the success of the, of the sanctions. Uh, sanctions. Sanctions are not an immediate effect. Potentially, yes. But don't forget, you've still got, you've still got oil and natural gas flowing from Russia into Europe. They shut down Nord Stream 2, which is, is a pipeline. But they're still pumping a lot of product out of Russia into Europe. And 60 million, you know, the, the, the announcement today was that there were 60 million uh, uh, barrels of, of oil were taken from, from strategic reserves around the world. Well, that's, that's minuscule to the 400 million barrels that get pumped out of Russia every day or that were getting pumped out of Russia every day. So, so that's not. That's not that's not a, 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 a done deal yet, I think. So and, and then the other thing is, you know, that they've been talking about the reserves that the Russians have built up. Now, granted, the sanctions and, and the sanctioning the central bank has limited some access to those excess foreign reserves that the, the Russians have. The number, you know, that I've seen is 600 and some million and there may be only 300 and some million or billion available because of because of the sanctions. But even that, that's still some. And then again, you have to wonder what are the Chinese really going to do? Uh, so I, I wouldn't be quite so quick to to say sanctions have been successful. Sanctions can be successful, but it's going to take time, just like it's going to take time for Russia to control the cities in Ukraine. Now, you know, I saw an interesting reference to the U.S. in Baghdad in 2003. You know, everybody said that this was quick, it was fast. It took three weeks to, to consolidate and, and control Baghdad. And that was in a country that didn't have a lot of resistance. So, so even if even if they come in with cluster bombs and uh, and and the the, the vacuum—I uh, forget the, the word—but it basically the, sucks all the oxygen out of the environment and kills people. You know, it, it, it's it's going to take a while to consolidate whatever they gained once that convoy starts moving again. So, can it can it sustain that? Can the and can the sanctions sustain itself? I think. You have to think about months, not days, not weeks. So, you know, the, the real challenge is going to be which one can sustain it. And then how much does does Russia lose in terms of its reliance on the Europeans and how much does it give away to the Chinese in the process? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So many, so many lines on the chart here all, all have a life of their own. Yeah. Uh, one of the things that I that I wonder about is uh, the nature of of war, the nature of invasion, the nature of um, nuclear threat. 
Um, the nature of using cluster bombs and other sophisticated um, uh, weapons against uh, a, a population that is not necessarily in uniform, that is not an army. These are ordinary people um, from every walk of life. And uh, this, is, this somehow is new to me that you would uh, attack them directly and uh, intentionally destroy their residential properties and you know their neighborhoods and what have you. Um, and I wonder if this bespeaks of a of a new kind of a new kind of um, aggressive invasion in in the world of um, of Europe and elsewhere that we have somebody who would do this and somebody who would also rattle nuclear sabers in the process, which seems completely inappropriate. But hey, uh, anything in a storm. Well, but that's again that that goes to how much how much escalation do we get out of this thing, and that's and that's why it's an open question of how it ends, because at some point you have to react. You can't say, okay, Ukraine, you're on your own. If 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 this whole business of of a, a escalation to nuclear a nuclear uh, weapon, then then the whole dynamic changes, and and it's going to be very difficult to to control that. You know, once that's why that that's why that whole idea of a nuclear option is so scary for everybody, because then then you can't just sit back and say, Ukraine, you're on your own. The Europeans and the Americans have to act. So, you know, as as we get close to the end here, you know, I think that this this has become a real crucible for the West. The West is is faced with with an existential threat here that it needs to respond and, and, and it's done well for a week, but a week is a week and, and I'm talking months. This has to be sustained for a month and, and we're gonna feel the, the pinch of inflation. We're gonna feel the effects of what's going on here. This, this isn't free. You know, the United States has, has the, the markets have sort of brushed it off in some respects, you know, but this is, this is gonna pinch. This is going to be, this is going to be hard for everybody. It's going to well, be some, some people in the United States are, are going to get really tired of uh, the inflation, um, the gas prices, um, you know, whatever threats and impositions result from it. I mean, for example, uh, I don't think it's beyond, um, the, you know, the pale of credibility that um, that the U.S. will be asked to take to take um, um, to, to take the uh, the people who come out of Ukraine, the uh, the the, uh, the the migrants, so to speak, yeah. um, and for that matter, even in Hawaii, and, and are they going to like that? Are they going to do it in the first place, state by state? They're going to like that. This this is going to put you know burdens on us, and some people are going to be mm, less than enthusiastic. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And and you know one other one other point that you made is that is this the new kind of war? This is the war. This is this is a, a war that Russia has fought. In Chechnya, it's a war it fought in in Syria, and you know I hate to say it, but I, I I've also seen you know news reports that said, but this one's different because it's Europe, and and Europe is is different because well because it's more civilized and it's European and it's not you know it's not Middle Eastern, and and that that sort of rhetoric and and there's there's some truth to that. That that this one is is closer to home for the Europeans, but this isn't this isn't new. This is something that that Putin has done 
uh, a couple times now, and he feels pretty successful at it. And that's apparently part of his rationale for thinking that he could do it again. Well, one, one um, you know, undercurrent that uh, might be different is this. So um, this, the border around Ukraine is porous um, and uh, very um, irregular. And you can cross that border if you really want to. You can smuggle weapons in. You can smuggle goods and money, what have you. You can smuggle experts in. You can smuggle you know, underground in. You can support underground. Perhaps as, um, as opposed to other situations in which uh, Putin found himself. And actually, um, as opposed to what was going on in France uh, during World War II with the underground. I mean, it's, I, it seems to me relatively easy for Joe Biden to achieve a, a regular pipeline of weapons, supplies, money, people, what have you, over the long term of this uh, underground state of war that, that we are likely to see. And so th that'll be different, don't you think? It'll be different from what happened in France, and it'll be different from what Putin expected, and it'll be long term. Yeah, but again, you're anticipating a particular type of war, and, and Putin has really left himself two options at this point. One is, is to contain it in Ukraine, but he's also, he's also said, if, if you guys continue to provide this support, I'm going to extend it beyond Ukraine and, and involve, involve NATO, force NATO's hand into seeing how long they can, they can stay hands off. And so that's 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 the risk of again this that's the risk of war is is escalation is really easy to do and really easy to be misinterpreted. Yeah, well, Biden talked about that. Uh, he talked about putting troops on the border, and what he said was he was going to defend every inch, and he repeated it a number of times: every inch of NATO territory with American boots on the ground, weapons, the whole, the whole thing. So if uh, Putin decides um, that this uh, slipping underground supplies across the border is problematic for him, and he, he crosses the border, um, you know, in, 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 in response, um, he's going to meet a, a very stern response from NATO and the EU and the US. And, and that means a much larger war, doesn't it? Yes, it does. Yes, and possibly with nuclear weapons too. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Yeah, and and don't forget that's why the United States has been has been putting putting forces into into the Baltics. So you know you have extra extra NATO forces that are moving into Estonia, Latvia, and uh, and and uh, the third one. Why? Why? <laughs> Lithuania. Lithuania, yeah. Sorry, sorry, Lithuania. <laughs> you know, but the more the more we talk, the more I keep remembering uh, Robert, Robert Tuckman and the guns of the guns of August. This is this is this could have a really bad, um, you know, dominoes effect here. And and once it gets to a certain point, we don't know the point. Uh, it could be completely out of control. That's right. And, and I think that's that's really sort of a bottom line here. Is that is that now that now that this this conflict has started, we really need to think about how it ends. And, and we don't know how it's going to end at this point. And, and a lot of how it ends is in the hands of Putin because he is uh, uh, pretty clearly 
done this largely on his own without a lot of uh, consultation from people that probably would have advised him not to do it. So one other sea change worth talking about is, uh, uh, of course, um, you know, the liberal wo world order is threatened by all of this. Uh, and, and whatever, you know, we fashioned in the United Nations back in 1945 and six um, is, um, is, is, is being undermined, uh, seriously undermined. And so it seems to me that um, one of the one of the things that's popped out from under the rock here is the uh, impotence of the United Nations. Mm -hmm. And I, I guess I'm asking you is, um, you know, gee whiz, we had always assumed the United Nations would somehow be able to step in and and protect. But even their you know, emergency general assembly meeting, was it yesterday? Um, oh, it's, 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 still, it's still going it's still, on. It's not finished. Yeah. Okay. You know, it's, it's, it's just it's just a bunch of people making statements at this point. Exactly. Is the United Nations done here? Has is this is this revealed that it is impotent and is never going to be able to act in a you know constructive way in the face of this this kind of invasion? It, it certainly doesn't bode well for it, I would say. I mean, I, I don't I, I don't know how you how you how you kill the the UN. You know, it, it has taken on a life of its own in so many aspects, but it certainly does demonstrate again, as it did time and time again in the during the Cold War, that the Security Council is is a broken mechanism because it it uh, allows the the Permanent Five to basically ignore whatever anybody else has to listen to. You know, it, it allows the Permanent Five to act with impunity when when they choose. Am I right in saying, Carl, that no matter what happens, whether Putin pulls out, <clears throat> doesn't pull out, whether Biden is able to hold the coalition together or not, uh, whether Ukraine is able to, you know, defend itself or and or mount an underground, uh, you know, presence going forward, um, the world, this, the world has changed. Yes. There are things that have happened. We don't know exactly what, but the world has changed. And it won't be the same. And sorry to say, it happened while we were here. I, I think so. You know, and, and if you look at the map of the people who have have supported the sanctions and the people who haven't and the people who have abdicated any responsibility, you, you sort of see what that new map of the world looks like. So I'm specifically saying you see China, Southeast Asia, the Middle East, big pieces of Africa pieces of South America who are not on board. They've, they've simply said, we're going to wait and see how this all works out. Include India. They abstained uh, the Security well, Council. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, and I mean, look at, the, look at the Middle East. You know, they're, they're the other ones that have, have really just sort of not committed one way or the other on this thing. So if you were at this moment, I'm not sure he's finished with his... Uh, a state of the union message. But if you had Joe Biden's ear for a moment, what would you tell him? Sorry, I, I, I would sorry, say, I asked you that question. Yeah, well, you know, I, I think I would tell him that you better understand that this is a long haul. This, this 
thing in Ukraine is, is as I said, it's a crucible for the, for, the, for the Western civilization to deal with. And it's, it's a very important one because if you get it wrong, if you, if you lose the coalition here, you, you lose the liberal order. And so, and so while everybody is, everybody is eager to be a cheerleader right now on the success that we've seen, ultimately it's, it's on the European Union. You know, you're, you're trying to say that Biden holds the coalition together. Ultimately, it's the European Union that has to stand and be successful here because they're the ones that are going to get hurt more than the United States. And so the United States, as I said from the beginning of, of this whole thing, is, is ultimately a cheerleader here. And, and yes, it has, it has a, a large part of the NATO force, but it's ultimately up to the European Union and the, and the nation states that comprise the European Union to be successful in, in countering what's happening in Ukraine. Thank you, Carl. I, I guess I, I feel better now talking with you. <laughs> I, I'm not sure why. <laughs> <laughs> Carl Baker, Senior Advisor to Pacific Forum. I really appreciate your, your thoughtful analysis of this, and I hope we can do it again soon. Thanks, Jim. Aloha. Thank you so much for watching Think Tech Hawaii. If you like what we do, please like us and click the subscribe button on YouTube and the follow button on Vimeo. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn, and donate to us at thinktechhawaii.com. Mahalo.